0: Please visit gurusing.com. Bless you. Mm, Satnam. What the yogis found in working with the breath is that when they weren't aware that they were breathing, they were breathing by the breather. But the moment they became aware that they were breathing, they felt like they were the breather. I'm taking a breath. I'm exhaling. I'm inhaling. And I'm exhaling. And so what they realized was that if they could get really a deep connection with the breather while they were aware that they were breathing, that they would become the breathing. the breathing. But they wouldn't be the breather and they wouldn't be the breath. They would be that. In between. And when they would recognize that, when they would actually come to that, and it's a subtle uh, meditation that we'll do this evening, when they would come into that breathing, being the breathing, suddenly they would feel the presence of the breather. And they called that, the, in translation, they called that the infinite stranger. Because they couldn't, they couldn't recognize it. It had no face, it had no persona, it had nothing. But they were aware that they were being breathed. And that is such a scary realization. Because you recognize that you are seriously not in control. Because everybody feels like they're in control of their own destiny. But when you suddenly actually realize that you are nowhere close to being in control or in charge of what's taking place in your world, that's a revelation worth being afraid of. And that is where the expression of God-fearing comes from. Because that infinite stranger was the... Whoa, that's low. The infinite stranger was the equivalency of what some people refer to as God. Hmm? You ask Yogi Bhajan, where do you find God? And he said, what did he say in uh, Gurpram? In the dictionary. In the dictionary. And he also said, only in the English dictionary. Because if you look it up in the Spanish dictionary, G-O-D isn't there. And that's what the Taoists worked with. That's what the Zen Buddhists worked with. That's what all of these very subtle existential efforts worked with was that infinite stranger that which was the doer of all things. Mm -hmm. That's what Guru Nanak talked about. So tonight's class we're working with um, that's awfully tonight's class we're working with the, the way in which we can actually have some movement in our conscious awareness so that our conscious awareness begins to feel like it's Shifting and dry and steering our life because you know, all of this indirect result is crazy making. We want to go, I do this, I get this, I do that, I get the other thing, rather than what we're doing here, which is. You know, plugging and pulling and plugging and pulling, and all of a sudden we've narrowed it down to a particular thing. And that's what we want to do in life because life should not be a guessing game. Life should not be darts. It should be laser pointers. You point a laser, you can get it right on the target. You throw a dart, you barely hit the wall. In life, everybody is throwing darts. But ultra-consciousness is like a laser pointer. You want to be able to point it and get it exactly where you want to point it. That's the capacity of a human being being human. And what we've been doing for the last three, four hundred years since the earth went round is merchandising. Everything has been about sales and marketing. Producing then came along once we had run out of the items that we were stealing from the cultures that were producing them, right? We were going around the world in ships to colonize wherever there was wealth. And we were bringing that wealth back to where we felt the important consumers were, white people. Hmm? The minority of the minority of the entire planet is what they call white people. Hmm? And the most minority of both the white men and the woman is the man. So the minority of the minority of the planet is the white man. And he's walking around with a big stick going, I'm in charge here, I'm in charge here, I'm in charge here. And it's a ridiculous charge because the bottom line is that for the last three, four, 500 years, it's been all about capital, the exchange of capital, until now it's all about pay to play. Now it's no longer about, let's distribute capital so everybody has a fair amount. Let's distribute food so that everybody eats. Let's distribute the wealth so that everybody is fed and clothed and housed. That's what all of the other animal kingdoms do. They all take care, if I take care of you, then you're not subtracting from the community. If I take care of the entire community, then the entire community will end up taking care of me. And human beings have been the doers for all this time. I am the doer, and the greatest doer gets paid the most, and that which gets paid the most gets listened to the most, has the most important comments, even though they're absurd and obnoxious. (laughs) Everybody is like, what did he say, what did he say? What do you say? What do you say? Yeah? Markets go up and down according to what did he say? And all it is is a child playing with a gadget. It isn't about the child. It's about the infatuation with the power that that child seems to have. But what if everybody just turned away? from that false power. And that's why Yogi Bhajan came here, was for us to have something greater to pursue, so that we would turn away from that fallacy and pursue the ability to acknowledge what's really in control of us. And once we co-relate with what's in control of us, that which is in control of us shares the control. And the one phenomenon that takes place in your life in which you can share that authority is your breathing. You can say, I'm not gonna breathe. And you can stop breathing for a period of time. You cannot say, I'm not gonna beat my heart. You cannot say, I'm not gonna metabolize my food. You cannot say, I'm not gonna have any thoughts. You're not gonna have any feelings. You cannot stop anything, or intentionally start any of your bodily processes except for one, and that is your breathing. And so consequently, the yogis realized that there was a tremendous amount of authority in a relationship with the breath. That if you could approach the breath with reverence, knowing that you're not the breather, and literally cooperating with the breathing, that you could end up moving on the wave of your moments, into what is called the risk levity quadrant, which is the quadrant in which love exists, the sensation of joy exists, Yogi Bhajan's version was happiness. He said, happiness is your birthright. That didn't mean that it was a gift if you were good enough, That meant that it was a gift because you were born, that you were born with that right. And all you had to do was claim it. Claim your happiness. Hard to do when you have a lot of good reasons for being upset. Harder even still to do when you have a lot of good reasons for being angry because in the commotion of anger there's use there's a valid use for anger but in its darkness what's that coming out of I think it's a mouse watch out it's about to drop down on somebody that'll keep your attention right And so in that darkness, in the dark energies of anger, what is it that you want to be? Begins with an R, I, G, H, T. (laughs) What is it that you want to be? You want to be right. Because otherwise, it's an incredible investment being angry if you're not right. What do you feel like when you're extremely depressed? Right or wrong? Wrong. What is the opposite of wrong? Right. What is an antidote to depression? It's called cold depression. What's an antidote to cold? Hot, heat. What's anger? Hot, heat? Anger is an antidote to depression. When you feel depressed, stir up some anger. And then release the anger before you want to be right in the anger because the moment you want to be right in the anger, you will become attached to the anger. The moment you feel you're the breather, You become attached to the breathing. And so the yogis realized, my God, there's this incredible parallax, this incredible equation that we have in front of us. And if I surrender to it, if I allow the breathing to be done, I actually move into this portion of the wave, which is the risk levity portion of the wave, and in my faith, in my joy, my happiness, in my love, in my trust, I am carried. And then all I have to do is hold and maintain those mechanisms of faith, and trust, and joy, and love, I have to just maintain them and share them with anyone who's around me. And at the same time, I have to be choosing a direction. The wave will carry me in whatever direction I want it to take me in. I no longer have to struggle on the backside of the wave. I no longer have to put effort into movement. All I have to do is choose. And the Buddha's prayer is identical to that. The places I am to go, I shall go. The people I am to meet, I shall meet. The things I am to say shall come from my mouth. That which I am to do will be done. And that which I am to achieve already is. And what the Buddha realized in that state of enlightenment and that state of ecstasy was that when you're in that balanced position, number one, you're grounded in boredom it is boring as all get out meaning there's no extremes you're just it's just it's just absolute calm so boring so you ground yourself in that boredom you lean into the joy the happiness you maintain that i am not the doer i am not the breather i am the breathing And your correlation with the breath allows you to choose the direction. What do you want to achieve? It's there. It's like somebody pulling over in a huge bus and saying, come on, get in, where do you want to go? I'll take you anywhere you want to go. We'll feed you, we'll clothe you, we'll keep you entertained, everything is yours. All you have to do is surrender to us carrying you, and you get to make the choice as to where. It's giving up a lot of control, isn't it? Because when you're struggling, you feel like you're in control. When you're debating the great debate, you know? You feel like you're in control. Or even if you feel like you're out of control, at least you're in control of being out of control. Huh? And that's hard to let go of. Because you may be out of control, but you know you're right. And out of control. But you're right. And that is impossible almost to let go of. And that is the culmination that this planet is coming to. So everybody is extremely insecure, and the most insecure is the white male. The most insecure is the white male. Because for hundreds of years, the white male felt like, ha-ha, we're in good shape. We're the the ones that are in charge here. And from the inside of the emotional body, that sensation is being stripped away. So what is the white male trying to accumulate more and more and more and more and more of? False power. If time is money, false power. You have more money, you got more time. And so you actually believe in an odd sort of way that you're achieving immortality by gathering money. It's called posterity. What does posterity mean? Post, what's that mean? After, correct? Terra. What does terra mean? Earth. Posterity means post terra. It means what are you doing that's going to be for after earth? You will live forever. You great man, you, you great white man, you, you great idiot. I'm not a white man, I'm, I'm actually a, a man of color, dropped behind enemy lines. I'm a spy, but don't tell anybody, I'm incognito. I mean, we all are, all the, all the well, we're not really white, we're kind of pink. But all the, all the pink guys in the room, we're all just dropped behind enemy lines. You know, we're people of color. But the idiocy that we have come to is now coming to a total crescendo. The bigotry, the xenophobia is coming to a great crescendo because it knows that its days are numbered. It's dying. And it's in the midst of its death throes. And so what does it despise? Youth, vitality. And you just see it all across. Kids are being sacrificed. True people of color are being sacrificed. Unreal. However, we were sent here on a mission to this planet and our task is to turn it around. And so we can't turn it around, we can can observe the insanity, but we can't attack the insanity. The only thing that we can do is let the insanity be a stimulant to our proficiency. And that proficiency means that we actually have to surrender to that which is the totality. And the way we do it is with this meditation that we're going to do right now. Bless you for joining us. Visit gurusingh.com for an ever-expanding archive of lectures, videos, yoga sets, meditations, and more. All the classes can be found now on gurusingh.teachable.com. There's going to be long-form classes available there, 30-minute-long yoga classes with Kriya. There's also what is called a Kundalini Recharge. It's a brief lecture about something like depression or gratitude or achievement or partnering or success, and it'll be a lecture with a pranayama, breathing exercise, and a single asana that you can just jump into during the day, and then it'll round out with an affirmation or meditation. And these will be like 11 minutes. And then there are also going to be audio files, which are guided 11-minute meditations, which you can listen to. And that's all within GuruSing.com. Satnam.